This is the old biblical town of Bethany. Now the Bible says that three very important people lived here, people whom Jesus knew very intimately and personally. They were Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. The Bible tells the story how Jesus often came to their home here because he just enjoyed their companionship. It was an opportunity to get away from the hustle and the bustle, and the great crowds that followed him everywhere he went. The Bible tells the story in John chapter 11 how Lazarus became sick. And the sisters sent a message to Jesus saying, Lazarus, the person whom you love is sick. But Jesus, even though he knew Lazarus was sick, did not come. He delayed for several days. And by the time he got here, Lazarus had been dead for several days and he had been buried. And so Jesus was taken by the sisters to the tomb of Lazarus. Uh, they say the tomb is just up the road. We have just examined the tomb. It is a very old tomb. Whether it is the actual tomb, we don't know. And it doesn't really matter. The thing that matters is that Jesus went to the tomb. And when Jesus got to the tomb, he said, take away the stone. And uh, the people said to him, Lord, we can't take away the stone. He's been dead for four days and there'll be a stench. But Jesus said, I say to you, take away the stone and believe. And if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And so they took away the stone and Jesus walked to the mouth of the tomb. Get the picture, my friend, a great crowd of unbelievers and some of the disciples of the Lord are there. And they take away the stone and inside the tomb is a dead man, dead for, for four days. And Jesus goes to the mouth of the tomb and he speaks with the voice of authority and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man hears the voice of the Son of God and Lazarus stands up and he walks out of the tomb. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. What a story. It proves, my friend, that Jesus Christ is more than a man. Jesus is the living Son of God. And it tells us something else. It tells us that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has the power over the grave. He has the power to call the dead from their tombs. And the day is going to come when Jesus is going to come again. And he's going to go to the tombs of the sleeping saints and he's going to say, come forth. And they're going to walk out of their tombs. The topic today is Jesus and the Sabbath. What would Jesus do if he were here today? It is declared by many, many preachers in the Western world, and I guess other places too, that Jesus broke the Sabbath. Then others say that Jesus changed the Sabbath from the seventh day to the first day. It was either Time Magazine or Newsweek, I don't remember which, but Time or Newsweek just recently had a, a full front cover and the words across the front cover were, what would Jesus do? Isn't that amazing? After 2,000 years, a secular magazine puts right across 
front cover, What Would Jesus Do? And the question we're going to ask today is this, what would Jesus do as far as the fourth commandment is concerned? Now, of course, Jesus gave those commandments, we're told. You can prove that in the scriptures. The fourth commandment, and this is written, of course, in the King James Version that we all love, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. The question is, what would the God who gave the commandments do with the Sabbath today? And before you say, well, does it really matter? It's not important. I want you to prayerfully and carefully today to consider the evidence. I want everybody to know here and everybody watching on television that I believe in the gospel. I believe that I'm saved not by my works, but by Christ's works for me. I believe that I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone. I do not believe that I'm saved by keeping the commandments of God. But I believe that when a person is saved by grace, he will want to keep all of the commandments of God. Therefore, the question is, what would Jesus do? Jesus and the Sabbath is the topic. The first point I want to make is this. The Sabbath must be tremendously important to Jesus because Jesus made the Sabbath. Would you please take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel according to John and come with me to John chapter 1 and verse 10. John chapter 1 and verse 10. And I'm reading now in the NIV. John chapter 1 verse 10. Speaking of our Lord, it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. The Bible says He made the world. And verse 14 tells us, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen carefully. The Bible says that when the universe was made, whenever that happened, it was made because Jesus did this work of creation. Jesus, in the Bible, is the great creator who invented time and space and matter. And therefore, when you turn to Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3, it becomes quite evident that Jesus gave us the Sabbath. Genesis chapter 2, and verses 1 to 3. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. The Bible says, Thus, thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Last night, after the meeting we had in this glorious building, where we had so many wonderful guests traveling so many miles to come and be blessed by the preaching of the word, a gentleman said to me, this is the first time I've heard about the Sabbath and how the Sabbath was changed. 
And he asked a question that so many people ask. He said, does it really matter? And then he said, can we really tell anyhow which day is the Sabbath? But does it really matter? The best way to discover whether it matters or not is to see the attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ to the Sabbath. But before we go any further, let us clear up the tiny problem that exists in some minds concerning which day is the Sabbath. Would you come over here to Luke chapter 23? Of course, Sunday is not the Sabbath. Luke chapter 23 and verse 54 and onwards. And Sunday is not the Lord's day. It was the day in which our Lord was raised from the dead, but nowhere is there a suggestion in the scriptures that Jesus kept the first day or any of, any of the disciples. Now would you please come to Luke 23, and this was written many, many years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Luke 23 and verse 54 and onwards. Shall we start at verse 52? Going to Pilate. He asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. This was the day when our Lord died. Almost everybody believes that this was Friday. It is called Good Friday at Easter time. Verse 54 says, It was preparation day. And the Sabbath was about to begin. So the Sabbath follows Friday. Uh, verse 55. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Why were they doing this? Because that's what Jesus had taught them to do. And then if you come to the next chapter, verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb, but glory, hallelujah, Jesus, our Lord, had been raised from the dead. But listen carefully. The Sabbath is the day between the first day, Sunday, and Easter Friday. That is the day that we call in our calendar Saturday. And this is the commandment that's so very plain. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does Jesus think about the Sabbath? Firstly, he made the Sabbath. And then when Jesus came to this world, Jesus went to church on the Sabbath day. Would you please come over here to Luke chapter 4, and verse 14 and onwards, my dear friends. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 and onwards. And we are here today because we want to see what Jesus thinks about the Sabbath. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 and onwards. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet 
Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus celebrated the seventh day Sabbath by preaching a mighty sermon on deliverance. Because, my friend, the Sabbath stands for deliverance from the power of darkness, the power of the devil, and the power of sin. What would Jesus do if he came back to America, if he came to Los Angeles or New York or some other great city during the 21st millennium? What would the 21st century, what would our blessed Lord be doing on the Sabbath? Where would Jesus be today on the Sabbath? Up the road here we have Santranita. That's the race course. Would Jesus be at Santranita at the race course? I don't think so. Jesus went to church on the Sabbath. It is as plain as the nose on your face. Would Jesus be at the mall? Would Jesus be going to Macy's or Robinson, May, or some other place to check out the sales? No. Would Jesus be at the supermarket stocking up for the rest of the week? No. Would Jesus be at the ball game on the Sabbath? It's quite obvious, no, because Jesus who gave the Ten Commandments would keep the Ten Commandments and Jesus would be at church. I want to say something else to you. Sometimes, now I'm a pastor and as a pastor I have a pastor's heart and sometimes when you're a pastor you've got to say things to the congregation that may get them a little mad for a little while. But you know, could you imagine Jesus going down to LAX on the Sabbath just to catch a plane to go on vacation? No, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus would be in church. And I've had folks come to me and they say, we can't come to church because we've got relatives and visitors. Where would Jesus be? Jesus would be at church. He'd say to the relatives and the dear ones, hey, Come to church with me. I am a Sabbath keeper. I'm not ashamed of my faith. And you can do, and if you can't come, I will have to say goodbye to you for a little while because I want to be with Jesus. And Jesus would be at church. And listen carefully to this. I want to say this to my beloved Baptist friends, my evangelical friends. And I know many of you, listen to this. Jesus risked his life and his mission to show the importance of the Sabbath. I'm going to tell you something now which is quite extraordinary, which is overlooked by the whole religious world. Perhaps you've never heard this before. Listen carefully. People say, evangelicals say, my Sunday-keeping Christian friends say, they say, but John Carter, Jesus broke 
the Sabbath. If that is so, my friend, then we're all lost because Jesus was a sinner. How could Jesus break his own law? And yet they're going to say that Jesus broke the Holy Sabbath. That is blasphemy. I'm going to show you something that the evangelical world has never considered. That the Sabbath was so important to Jesus that he risked, risked his life and his mission to show how it ought to be kept. Now listen carefully to this. Seven, we believe, is a perfect number. We don't put a tremendous amount of stress on it unless it's in the right context. But this fact has been overlooked by all the great television evangelists, all the great public evangelists, all the great pastors with their great churches. Jesus worked seven miracles on the Sabbath. On seven different occasions. And each miracle was an insight into the purpose of the Sabbath. Did you know that? Let me say it again. Jesus worked seven miracles, not six, not two. He worked seven miracles on the seventh day Sabbath to show the importance of the Sabbath and to give us a spiritual insight into the meaning of the Sabbath. I do not join forces with the Pharisees and the enemy of our Lord who accused him of being a Sabbath breaker. When people come to me and they say, Jesus broke the Sabbath, I say, I thank God that I'm not in your camp. Because the people who accused Jesus of being a Sabbath keeper were the Pharisees who nailed him to the cross. Do you want to be in their camp? Jesus worked seven miracles. Seven miracles are recorded. And those miracles give us a unique pers perspective and insight into the meaning of the Sabbath. I want to show you those seven miracles. I don't believe that most of you have ever considered this before. Would you please come with me to Matthew 11? Now I have much to give you. You'll have to turn to the passages first. Matthew 11 and verse 28. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But my church is a Bible reading church and I'm proud of my church members because they bring their Bibles to church. My church members love the Bible. And my church, church members know their Bibles. After having said that, you better find the text quickly. <laughs> Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, rest, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the context of giving people spiritual rest, Notice verse 9 of the next chapter. Chapter 12, where it talks about Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 9, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would he not take hold of it and lift it out? 
How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored. Never forget those words. Completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Listen, listen. My evangelical friends watching this telecast around the world, Jesus broke the laws of the Pharisees. Jesus broke the traditions of the Pharisees. In one place, Jesus said to them, you worship God in vain because your teachings are simply the teachings of men. He said, you have a fine way of doing away with the commandments of God by your tradition. He said that in Mark 7. Did you know this? Jesus said that worship that breaks the commandments of God is a useless thing. He said in vain. And when Jesus came to this world, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, pious, sincere, deluded, had concocted a thousand rules for keeping the Sabbath. None of them found in the Bible. And Jesus just ignored those rules completely. They said it was wrong to heal a man on the Sabbath, but it was all right to go out and take care of your cattle because that's where you got your money. And so Jesus just ignored their foolish laws that made man worth nothing. So he healed a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath to teach us that all of us who are shriveled and twisted may be healed if we get to know the Lord of the Sabbath and remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This world is filled with people with shriveled hands and arms and brains and spirits and attitudes and the world seems to be getting worse you know why the world is getting worse I will tell you because the world has forgotten the Sabbath when the holy day becomes the day of man society and humanity wither away and the demons roll said Karl Barth Shriveled lives. The world is filled with shriveled people. There's only one healing. The Lord of the Sabbath. That's why we come to church on the Lord's Day. That's why today we're not at the ball game. That's why we're here worshipping. Because we are in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to come now to Mark chapter 1. I don't guarantee today that I'll get through all of these seven miracles. But I'll do my best. If you folks don't get me sidetracked. Mark chapter 1 verse 26 and onwards. Mark chapter 1, 26 and onwards. They went to Capernaum. And when Jesus, when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Jesus was not boring. Jesus taught with authority because he taught the word. He was the word. 
Verse 23, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Jesus drove out the demons on the Sabbath. I believe, without being melodramatic, that the world is becoming demon-possessed. I believe that this tremendous wave of terrorism and evil that is sweeping the world is coming because of the actions of evil spirits. Jesus is Lord over the demons. And Jesus performed this miracle on the Sabbath day for a very special reason, to teach the people that we can only have freedom from demonism and the influence of evil spirits when we remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and worship the Lord of the Sabbath. You know, as I drive in from Thousand Oaks on that pleasant journey, on the 101, the 134, the 210, there's a great billboard there. It says, this man will take you beyond to talk to the dead. Millions of Americans think they're talking to the dead. Millions of Americans are being deceived by evil spirits. And the reason that the evil spirits are ruling is because America and the world has forgotten to remember. America no longer remembers the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath is given by Jesus so that we may learn to come to church and forget the ball game and the foolish old mall and Robinson's May and all the rest of that junk for 24 hours and come apart and worship the Lord of the Sabbath. Deliverance from demonism is the message of the Sabbath. Now notice Mark chapter 129 and onwards. Here is the third miracle performed on the Sabbath. Mark chapter 1, 29 and onwards. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. Incidentally, just look at me for a moment. Simon is Peter. He had a mother-in-law. It's very difficult to have a mother-in-law without a wife. Now, if Simon Peter, if Peter was the first pope, then he had a wife, which is a good reason why the pope should have a wife today and all other priests so they could understand the problems that married couples have. But that's by the wayside. You will forgive my indulgence. You forgive mine and I'll forgive yours. Verse 20, um, 30. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Jesus healed a woman of the burning fever. And this is to symbolize the burning fever of sin. The world is filled with people who are burning up with hatred and anger. It is a disease. And so Jesus said, if you want to be free of this burning fever of sin, 
Come apart and come to church. Go to church on the Sabbath and learn to love and worship the Lord of the Sabbath. Therefore, the Sabbath represents freedom from the burning fever of sin. Now, would you come now to the fourth miracle, which is found in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 and onwards. Luke chapter 13, verse 10 and onwards. And for many of you, this will be a new message today. Some things that you've never seen before. This is the fourth miracle that Jesus did. Luke 13, verse 10 and onwards. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching one of their synagogues. You notice this? He was always in church on the Sabbath. What would Jesus do? Always in church on the Sabbath. It's plain, isn't it? And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. She was twisted, bent over, bent out of shape. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrite. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day and from what bound her? Let me read it again. Should she not be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? So here is a woman who's all bent out of shape. Lots of people in the world today who are all bent out of shape. This is a bent out of shape society. So here is a poor woman and she's been bent out of shape in great pain. Many of us are in great pain because we're bent out of shape and we're bent out of shape because of our sins. We don't get along with people. We're filled with hatred. We're filled with meanness. And we're, we're carrying this terrible burden. And so Jesus heals this woman and the Pharisee says, there are six days when this ought to be done, not on the Sabbath. I would not like to be the person who criticizes the Lord by saying that he was breaking the Sabbath. Because that person is a Pharisee. And those who say that the Lord broke the Sabbath are the Pharisaical party. Our Lord did this particular healing on the Sabbath day for a special reason. To teach us that the Sabbath was given for the healing of people who are bent out of shape. People who can't walk straight. Some people who are so twisted that they can't lie straight in bed. Because of the lies they tell. Twisted deformed, poor souls, bent out of shape and in great pain, and they've been like that for 18 years. Jesus said, if you get to know me, and if you enter into the spirit of the Sabbath, soon you'll be walking straight. And you'll be seeing straight. 
the Sabbath represents deliverance for bent out of shape people. That's what the Sabbath is given for. Now, would you please notice with me the fifth miracle on the Sabbath? Luke 14, verses 1 and onwards. Luke 14, verse 1 and onwards. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. He was a poor man suffering from an awful disease. Problems with the blood. Couldn't think straight. His nights he tossed and he turned. The world is afflicted with a disease worse than dropsy. From the top of the head to the soles of the feet, Isaiah said there's nothing but sores and ulcers, putrefying carbuncles. And the Sabbath is to remind us that if we keep the Sabbath because we love Jesus and we honor him as the Lord, of all creation, and the one who died on the cross for us. The awful sickness of spiritual dropsy will be healed. And so the Sabbath is to heal us of the spiritual malady of dropsy. Now, the sixth miracle is John chapter 5, verses 1 and onwards. Number 6, and there are just seven. This is not by coincidence. John chapter 5, verse 1 and onwards. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the water when the, into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Has anything changed, I ask you? Hustling on the byways? Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. That day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, that, see you are well again, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. 
The reason that the Jews hated Jesus so much was because of his attitude to the Sabbath. Here is a man who has been an invalid for how long? 38 years. Many of you young people would not understand that. Take four or five of you to get up there. 38 years. In pain, in distress, also plagued by frustration. Whenever he tries to get down into the water because there was this story that an angel came down and made the water troubled. When he tries to get down there, somebody else is stronger and gets down in front of him. And so they hated Jesus and ended up crucifying him because of his attitude to the Sabbath. Jesus never put his life on the line for circumcision or for the ceremonial law, but he put his life on the law on the line for the fourth commandment because the Sabbath is something so tremendously important. And this story teaches us that even though the sickness has gone on and we've been in sin for so long and we have been frustrated for so long, there's hope for every person. Hope for the most hopeless. And so the Sabbath teaches that there's hope for the most hopeless person who has been a spiritual or even a physical invalid for 38 years. The Sabbath says, liberty, liberty. Now the seventh miracle is John chapter 9. This is the seventh. John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And then verse 6, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. So once again, there's persecution. The Pharisees said he did not keep the Sabbath because none of them had kept the Sabbath for one second in their lives. Here is a man who was blind. Jesus was trying to teach the blind, foolish, religious people of his day 
that the Sabbath symbolizes sight for blind eyes. This world is blind. Some of you may be blind. Much of the religious world is blind. A proof that the religious world is largely blind is because they do not keep the Sabbath. And they invent all sorts of excuses why they can trample underfoot the Sabbath. And there is much pious humbug about the Sabbath. They say, if you keep the Sabbath, you're a legalist. Thou shalt not kill. If you keep that commandment, you're a legalist. No, nobody says that. It is gross inconsistency, spiritual deception. The world is blind. I have members of my congregation who will say, I cannot come to church today because there's a good sale on at the mall. You are blind. Others who say, but I'm going to take my family to the ball game on the Sabbath day. You are willfully violating the commandment of God because you are blind. We live in a world of blind men. And to a certain extent, every one of us is blind, particularly to our own faults. But we have 20-20 vision concerning the faults of others. But I would tell you today that Jesus healed the man of his blindness to teach us that the Sabbath is given by God so that we can see. And if you will come to church and remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, then the blindness will go and you will see. The Sabbath tells us that even blind people can see. Listen. Sunday keeping is a man-made tradition that makes void the law of God, Mark 7. Jesus showed us the real meaning of the Sabbath. Jesus said, get rid of the garbage of false religion. That's what he said. Get rid of the garbage of false religion. And Jesus restored the Sabbath to its place of redemption. The Sabbath represents the gospel. It represents deliverance from evil spirits, healing from the burning fever of sin, the straightening of twisted lives, redemption from bondage, the woman crippled for 18 years, the man delivered from desperate hopelessness, for 38 years, sight for blind eyes, spiritual sight. This is the meaning of the Sabbath. When we keep the Sabbath because we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and because we worship the living Christ, then miracles happen in the life. And I want to say to the television audience, if your life is falling apart, there's a reason it is falling apart. It is because you have forgotten the Sabbath day. The fourth commandment. When we keep the Sabbath because we are saved by grace, then miracles happen in the life. Evil spirits go. The fever of sin is removed. Twisted lives are straightened. We are redeemed from bondage and the hopelessness of a lifetime. Our blindness is healed. We start to see 
new and wonderful truths. Therefore, I wish to say to the congregation today, my beloved church members, and to all of those people watching around the world, and especially to my Baptist friends, my evangelical friends whom I love in Christ, I would remind you of this. Jesus made the Sabbath. Jesus went to church on the Sabbath. Jesus risked his life and mission to show the true meaning of the Sabbath, redemption and liberty. What would Jesus do if he were here today? Was the question Time or Newsweek asked, what would Jesus do? Jesus said on one occasion, when he was disputing with the Pharisees who never gave him a moment's relief, the most religious people, the greatest humbugs. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, for the blessing of man. If you're not keeping the Sabbath, you are making yourself less than a man or a woman. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath day. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Let us worship the Lord of the Sabbath. Let us keep the Sabbath. Let us worship the Lord of the Sabbath as creator. Let us worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath, as our redeemer. Let us worship the Lord Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, as our healer and as our savior. And let us worship him. And here, as Shakespeare says, here's the rub. Let us worship him by obeying his word and by keeping his commandments. Because the Lord of the New Testament as well as the Old Testament said in a voice that thundered around the world to people who are spiritually blind, bent out of shape, hot with the fever of sin, suffering from spiritual dropsy and every other ailment, Jesus said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it Thou shalt not do any work, for in six days the Lord made heaven, earth, the sea, and all that is in them. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. Remember. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Invite you all to kneel.
in the presence of the Lord. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power. Dear Father, we thank you for the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, our Father, that when we could not be saved by climbing up the quaking sides of Mount Sinai, he came down and died on Mount Calvary for our sins. We thank you for the good news of Christ, that God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We worship you today. We bless you. We thank you for the Sabbath, that the Sabbath is the day of deliverance. Dear Father, speak to the hearts of every person watching the telecast today. Those who have been hiding behind the arguments that were used by the Pharisees to say that our blessed Lord broke the Sabbath. We pray that you will speak to our hearts today. Take from our hearts our coldness. Take from our eyes our blindness. Take from our souls our shriveled condition that we might come and worship the Lord of the Sabbath. We worship on our knees today the Lord of the Sabbath. We worship you, blessed Lord, that you are our creator, our redeemer, our savior, and our coming king. And by the grace of God today with all that is within us, we pledge to you our undying allegiance. Bless us here today. How many praying today in the presence of the Lord of the Sabbath will raise a hand towards heaven and say, by God's grace, I will keep the holy Sabbath because I love the Lord of the Sabbath. Will you raise your hand today? Lift your hand up high. You're saying today, you can put up both hands. I'm putting up both. You can say, I'm saying today, Lord, I'm going to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy because I love the blessed Lord of the Sabbath. Dear Father, take these upraised hands and these upraised hearts as we pledge to you that by your grace, because we love you, we will follow you. We thank you for your great mercy. Forgive us for our sins, dear Lord. Wash away our sins. Write our names again in the Lamb's book of life and save us with an everlasting salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star. 
and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win his erring child. He reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we with ink the oceans feel and were the skies a parchment made? Were every star on earth a queen and every man? A scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole. Stretch from skies to sky higher than the high. Heaven, it's deeper than the deeper sea, wider than I could ever imagine. Your great love for me.